The Florida Gators, unsurprisingly, lost to the Georgia Bulldogs this past weekend. They surprisingly lost 43 to 20. We're going to talk about that here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. Happy Monday, not a victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports Giants, Century NFL 33. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown college. Use code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. Remember that Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, we're getting right into it. Join the Discord links in the description. Join the subtext links in the description. But getting right into this game because it, it, it frustrated the hell out of me, to be honest, because this is not a surprising loss, I think. Most of us that try to think at least realistically recognize that this game is probably going to be a loss. We talked about that last week, all throughout the week. It was, these are two teams in different spots. One's back-to-back national champions. One's established. The other, Florida Gators, obviously, are a rebuilding program. This should have been a loss that was expected, yes. However, 23 points, not... Not acceptable as a loss. Let's say that. Not acceptable. I will say that I am someone who, this game, I was very disappointed with the coaching staff. A lot of it on the defensive side of the ball. Offense had their issues. Offense had their struggles. And and I think that some decisions shouldn't have been made. Like the, the fourth and inches. I don't have a problem with the snap between Mertz's legs. I, I hate that you dialed up a pass play there with Trevor Etienne. I just think if you're going to give the ball to Trevor Etienne, just make it a run play. If you're going to try to pass the ball, just give the ball to Graham Mertz, who's been a very good passer. He's been very efficient. If you gave the ball to Graham Mertz on a fourth and inches, I'm going to assume he's going to pick that up. Just because his efficiency tells me if he drops back, he's probably picking up at least a yard. That's it. However, On top of the play calling, the Florida Gators have an issue that cannot be fixed this season. Like I've mentioned before on this show, offensive play calling, yes, sure, you can have whatever qualms you want with it. I will bring this issue back to the Charlotte game. Because regardless of your offensive play calling, regardless of what you want to do, it will be destroyed by bad offensive line play. And yes, right now the Florida Gators do have a combination of the two of bad offensive line play and play calling that is suspect at times. And again, this is not a knock on the scheme. The scheme is fine when you talk about just the the brunt of it. The wide zone style. I don't have an issue with the condensed sets. I know that uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Cole Kubelik? 
I, I see him on Twitter. He does his like breakdowns every week. Um, not going to pretend that I watch like main media. I think he's with SEC network. Um, he mentioned, you know, the condensed sets. I don't really get, I understand them. I don't think that Florida is working them properly, but I understand condensed sets and the purpose of them. And obviously he also understands them. I think his point is just like, it's not working with Florida right now, but again, nothing really is. Um, but Florida's got a got a combination of the both, where play calling, suspect at times. Again, the concepts are fine. I have no issue with that. It's it's just weird when they choose to dial up risks and when not to. I don't get it. Um, but the issue that can't be fixed is your offensive line play. I think that you just don't have a good enough offensive line right now. I don't think your personnel on the O-line are good enough to hold this. And that sucks to say, but it's also very frustrating because I feel like when you look at this offensive line, there are options to try and fix it. There are options to try and fix it. Micah Mazuka against Georgia played arguably his best game of the season. Richie Leonard also had a pretty good game. The guards did a good job, okay? Kingsley Aguakin, uh, until he got hurt. Jake Slaughter, and when, when they were whoever was in that center, they did all right. Austin Barber played a better game than usual. Damian George had an absolutely, absolutely dreadful performance. Um, And there's no other way to put that. Like, this was... He's had rough games. This was one of his roughest. Um... And again, that's that's saying a lot. But like you look at is it, Damian George allowed four pressures. According to PFF, Damian George allowed four pressures. Florida's O line only allowed eight. This this was not like like this is a lot of this was just bad. Um it, it was just bad by Damian George there. Like I said, Micah Mazuka, Richie Leonard, great performances. I liked that they did both pass blocking uh, and run protect and run blocking. Fine jobs. Damian George, absolutely dreadful performance in pass pro. Uh, Austin Barber, again, he's had a rough year. This was one of his better games, um, especially when you consider that he's playing against Georgia because Austin Barber, he he struggled against some lesser competition. So when you look at, all right, well, he played against Georgia and he played a better game this year. Then that's good, especially when he was the one that was like, well, they got to come through us or whatever. They got to come play us, whatever it was that he said. Um, which I don't, I don't care for the, I don't care that he talked, tr- that he talked trash. Like that's what you should expect that. Um, but this is, you, you have options again, a right tackle specifically. You can put Lindell Hudson. You can put Cameron Waits. You have two options that you can try to replace the weak link of the offensive line, because an offensive line is only as good as its weakest link. Genuinely. We talked about this countless times this off season. We talked about this. I mean, every week I feel like I'm having this conversation on this show where I have to sit here and I have to say offensive line play is more about the units than the individual. You have to work well as a unit in order to be a good offensive line. This offensive line unit is not working well as a unit. Whether you're talking about Kingsley or Jake Slaughter at center, it's not that. And I bring that up because this was a thing where I was like, hey, maybe with Kingsley Aguakin coming back, having that veteran leadership, maybe he helps elevate the rest of the line play. No. And again, that's not a knock on Kingsley. That's not a knock on Jake Slaughter. 
That is that this offensive line combination is not working. I've even suggested before, last week I said, I was like, I'm fine. Put Damian George at left tackle and Austin Barber at right tackle and see how that goes. Because the one game that Damian George played at left tackle was arguably his best performance of the season. And I don't care that it was against Vanderbilt. I don't. Because it was still one of his best performances of the season. So I don't care if it was against Vanderbilt. On film, he put together the best film that he'd put together. Or that he'd put out all season. Cam Waits didn't play much, but I'll tell you what. What he did against Georgia was a hell of a lot better than what Damian George did against Georgia. Okay? Damian George was awful, specifically in pass protection against Georgia. Okay? Just awful. And even, even according to PFF, he was the second worst pass blocker on this team against Georgia. You know who was the worst? Trevor Etienne. <laughs> that's it. And that's fine with me. I'm not, that was one rep Trevor Etienne had, too. Uh, so I'm, I'm not mad at, at Trevor for that. I'm just saying Damian George had a really rough showing. He is the weakest link on this offensive line. And I feel like he's becoming a scapegoat for Florida Gators fans. And I don't want that to be what this becomes. My point is he is your weakest link on your offensive line. At this point, you can't add in a new player. What you can do is try to replace the weakest link because an offensive line needs to operate and function as a unit and this Florida Gators offensive line is not doing that successfully. So put in a new person at right tackle, or if you if you are committed to having Damian George start, put him on the left side and put Austin Barber back at right tackle. It's not a good idea. I don't think it would work, but I think that it would bring Damian George's level up a little bit. He seemed more comfortable on that side. Let him do it. Like if, if you're committed to him playing, then do that. If you're committed to winning and, and trying to get better, make a freaking change. But until then, this is an issue that I don't think is going to be fixed this season because, let me tell you, if you were willing to make this change, if you were willing to make the move at right tackle, the Georgia game wasn't the one that should have been the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay? Because Damian George has had multiple bad games. So I, I think for me... Probably would have been the Kentucky game where he was bad. Because at least Tennessee, he was bad in pass pro, but he had a great game run blocking. But Kentucky, he was bad also. So I, I feel like this is one of those things where if you were going to make the change, you probably would have made it earlier, which is why I'm not convinced that they're going to make a change here as much as they should. And I promise you, this Wednesday, when I do my depth chart, prediction, projection, suggestion, whatever you want to call it, I promise you. I talked about offensive line last week, and I promise you I'll be talking about it again this week because holy crap. Again, I understand all of the criticism that you want to give, all the deserved criticism that you want to give to this coaching staff for, for the offensive play calls and if you hate the scheme, whatever. One of the biggest backbreaking decisions is choosing to stick with something that's not working because no matter what play you call, if your offensive line is just going to crap the bed the second you snap the ball, you're screwed anyway. So it doesn't matter. But now we get to talk about something that also frustrated the hell out of me during this game on Saturday. And it was this Florida Gators defense. Cause Holy. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was rough before we talk about this defense though. It's time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company. 
for me, the Florida Gators game changer of the week, it's Eugene Wilson the third. Like, like he just changes the Florida Gators offense so much. It's the only thing comparable to saying, hey, he changed this as much as Athletic Brewing Co. has changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Like, like Florida's offense, when Eugene Wilson the third is healthy, so much better. I would love it if he got to play actually receiver and not gadget every single play, but I digress. But <laughs> Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, use code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N with no spaces, to get 15% off your first online order at athleticbrewing.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company is fit for all times. Also, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by eBay Motors with passion, drive, and patience. Those big three things, they help bring home the winning trophy. That, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts that you need at all the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, join the Discord. The, Discord, the link's in the description below. Join the subtext, which is two weeks free, then five bucks per month. You get one-on-one -on -one conversations, in-depth analysis, exclusive content there. It's going to be a blast. But this Florida Gators defense, you got to figure it out. And I, I, I've just got to say that it is incredible that this defense can be so inconsistent and incomplete all year long. It's been inconsistent and incomplete. When one or two parts of it work, the rest crumbles. One of the most consistent things has been that the secondary has not been good this year. We can praise Jordan Castell and Bryce Thornton for being two true freshman starters. We can praise them for that, and we can acknowledge, hey, that's impressive as hell. We can also say secondary play hasn't been great, and but we live with that because we acknowledge it's Jordan Castell and Bryce Thornton. And I'm not saying that they're the, that they're the problem at all, or that they need to change. I'm saying when they do screw up, we can accept that. Um, and that's at least I can, at least I can, I can kind of live with that. Um, because why wouldn't I like, Hey, true freshman. Great. That's just experience for next year. So I get it. But I mean, you look at the outside, Jason Marshall jr. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I get it. He had what two pass break or three pass breakups. I think it was two of them were as pass were blitzing as pass rushers. You think I give a damn that he's batting the ball up when he's rushing the passer? 
I'd really prefer it if he never blitzed and just like well, did this crazy freaking thing. The receiver that he's lined up across, that's his assignment. He should try covering him. Call me crazy, but he should try covering him. That'd be that'd be really impressive. Like that would be the impressive part for me of watching him play because he hasn't done that great this year. Okay. He hasn't done that great this year. And I realize again, like I, I hate being openly very critical of people, but like there, there's some players on this team who just have not been good enough, especially when you consider their expectations. Secondary has been wildly inconsistent. Jalen Kimber had a terrible game this past week. And I understand that a lot of Florida Gators fans aren't big fans of his for one reason or another. I will continue to say for all the frustration that he may give you, or that, like, I, I, I know that yes, this secondary frustrates me. I will live with what Jalen Kimber does as opposed to what Jason Marshall does, because at least Jalen Kimber is generally near his matchup. I will say that. Um, also, by the way, I know that I have a, a bit of a reputation of like a, of a Prince Lumon Mielin fan or apologist, whatever you want to call it. And I know, correct. Yes. Pressure was not there, but you can't sit here and tell me that he didn't ball out as a run defender. You just can't, you can't sit there and tell me that at all. Because he did. Like, like it, it's just a fact. Prince Lumon Mielin played his best game of run defense that he's ever played. I don't just mean, oh, yeah, he did. Our, I mean, his best run defense game that he has ever, ever in his life, probably including high school, played. Because when you look at what Princely did, again, in run defense this week, on film, constantly there. You want to look at the the analytics behind things? Okay. Princely had 10 solo tackles. 10 solo tackles. He's got 21 on the year. <laughs> Half of them came against Georgia. He's got nine run stops. Nine. In, in that game, nine. You know what a run stop is? A run stop is a tackle of three or less. He did that nine times against Georgia. Hell of a performance. Now I have to get to what so, so frustrating with this game defensively. I know that it only happened a few times, but it just drove me absolutely, absolutely mad. Was I don't understand. And they've done this multiple weeks. I don't understand having Prince Lumon Mielin line up off ball multiple times and dropping him into coverage from there. I just don't get it. I got it against Tennessee because it was just going with the motion. I, I get that. But with this game against Georgia, Prince Lee was lining up like five yards off the line of scrimmage outside the right tackle, like splitting the difference between the right tackle and the slot receiver. And he, and he's lining up over there and he's dropping back and he's, he's, he's playing off ball linebacker. Like, like he's playing inside linebacker there. And I just don't get it. 
I understand because every time I'm like, oh, I don't get this. People are just like, eh. Edge rushers drop into coverage. That's what football is. Yeah, I freaking get it, buddy. My issue is I understand edge rushers will drop into coverage. Lining him up as a strong safety, lining him up at strong safety and dropping him into coverage makes no sense. It makes no damn sense. There, there's no benefit to doing it. Because if you line him up five yards off the line of scrimmage and completely out of the tackle box, guess what? You have to drop him in coverage at that point, right? Because, I mean, if you're going to make him rush the passer, you might as well put him on the line. I just hate it because if you're going to drop him in coverage, drop him in coverage. Fine. I, I accept that you're going to do that. Even though you probably shouldn't, considering he's the only pass rusher that's been able to consistently do a damn thing this year. But I understand you're going to drop him into pass coverage. Keep him on the edge so that he's at least a threat for the offensive line to worry about. So that you can at least maybe have a little bit of a surprise for the quarterback to see him drop back in coverage. Because I promise you, every quarterback looks at Princely before the snap to recognize where he is if he's on the field. So maybe just drop him back from the line if you're going to drop him back. Again, ideally, you rush him every single time. And I, I understand that's not how that works. I, I get that. I'm on, I'm on board with the scheme. I'm more so just saying that he's the only pass rusher that does a damn thing. Um, and so maybe just say, story the scheme and, and let him rush. But I, I don't, you will never convince me that it's a good idea to line Princely that far off the line of scrimmage and then do that. I, I it's just like, it, it was, I, I, I don't even, I forgot the specific play that made me be like, what the hell are we doing here? I think it was quarters, maybe cover three. Uh, and and they just did, and I just oh, it broke my brain for like an hour. It, it broke my brain that that was a genuine play call, and it's just like I feel like Austin Armstrong goes through these moments where he just like he big brains himself into getting completely screwed, and I just it's it's incredibly frustrating. We are about to talk about the expectations for this the remainder of the season. There's four regular season games left, and then a potential bowl game before we talk about the expectations let me tell you guys about prize picks because prize picks has been the best way for me to make money playing daily fantasy sports this year Just this entire year if you've got skills and time to do research you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with a few easy taps simple and easy to play and has quick withdrawals too, and it's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. I will also say, from Sunday's slate of games, 1 p.m. window, thank you, Saquon Barkley, for your rushing yards. 4 p.m. window, thank you, Christian McCaffrey, for your rushing and receiving yards. Sunday Night Football, thank you, Austin Eckler, for your rushing plus receiving yards. Beautiful. Thank you for the free money. Go to prizepix.com slash college and use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepix's daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And 
Now we are going to talk about just really what the expectations are for the remainder of the season for this team, which I think is very fair to, uh, to bring up. And I will tell you this. They haven't changed <laughs> at all. Like, not even a little. After last season, we said this. Before this season, we said this. Two weeks ago, we said this. A week ago, we said this. Today, October 30th, 2023, Halloween Eve, we're saying this. The realistic expectation for the 2023 Florida Gators has always been to be bowl eligible this year. You look at any piece of media, or sorry, the realistic expectation should have been to be bowl eligible. You look at any piece of media that I've been involved in, and, and whether we've gone game by game, or whether we've gone the entire season just generally, the goal has always been, or my answer has always been, if you are bowl eligible, this is a good season. Like, like bowl eligible, good recruiting class, successful season. The product on field at times has been dog crap, to be honest. However, I feel like even when it's been bad, it hasn't been as bad as we saw some games last year, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Because there were times last year where the offense was just, and no other way to describe it. But you look at, like last year, the USF game, the Kentucky game. Oh my good. Oh, man. those were like, I wanted to puke. I remember after the USF game, after the South Florida game, I don't, I don't remember why, but I was in Long Island. And I remember going out to record my minute reaction to the game because I couldn't go live. I remember going outside to record my minute reaction after the South Florida game. And I was like, just run the option. Just run the triple option because I'm tired. Of this. That's, that's the point we were at after the South Florida game was me going, just run the triple option because holy crap, you can't throw the ball. I haven't had a moment like that this year where I'm like, just just throw it out the window, go wildcat with Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson. Um, so that's how I know, at least, that the offense this year has not been as frustrating as last year's offense. Also, defense has been very rough at times. It's still better than last year. I don't care. But the expectation this year should have always been six wins, bowl eligibility. You finish the year either six and seven or seven and six when it's all said and done. You have Arkansas this coming weekend. You should beat Arkansas this weekend. Like that, you have Arkansas, you host Arkansas in the swamp. You should beat Arkansas. You travel to LSU. You're probably going to lose that game. LSU can put up a ton of points. I expect Florida to put up a lot of points in that game as well. LSU is probably going to put up more. It's also incredibly hard to go into Death Valley and win a football game. I, I put LSU and Florida like right at the top of the country for how hard it is to go into that stadium and win a football game. 
it's it's freaking ridiculous to try and do it. So they're they're both out there, especially if it's LSU at night. LSU at night and the swamp at night are just they're absurd. You look at the Missouri game right after LSU. That's your most realistic chance for a second win this year to get to seven wins in the regular season. It's Missouri. Missouri, yes, they started off great. They had one of the best offenses in the country. Brady Cook's good. Uh, Luther Burden the third is a beast. You can beat that team. It's not going to be easy, but you can beat that team. Florida State in the swamp. Just imagine, it's, it's really hard to go into the swamp and win football games. So you can win that. Again, it's going to be very difficult because guess what? You know how I spent last segment talking about, oh, the secondary is so inconsistent. They've been so bad at so many times, all that stuff. You got to defend Keon Coleman. No one's been able to figure that one out consistently. Because even when he's covered, he's open. So you got to defend Keon Coleman, which if you've been listening to this show since, I don't know, December, early December last year, you would know I did a full show about Keon Coleman. I very much wanted him to be a Florida Gator. I will hang my hat on nailing that one on the head there. And you got whatever bowl game you're going to play in. You you should be bowl eligible after this weekend. 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, November 4th, you should be bowl eligible. Let's see if it really goes. And even if, again, like, like if you don't win the Arkansas game, I don't know if you're bowl eligible at all. Because if you're not good enough to beat Arkansas, you sure as hell shouldn't be good enough to beat LSU, Missouri, or Florida State. So let's let's call a spade a spade. And, and again, this is something where we've known, we've said this on the show multiple times, the second half of this year was always going to be rough. And Florida fans, we like to go up in all kinds of weather. Second half of this year will decide if you are truly an in all kinds of weather fan. Because it's going to be rough. It's going to hurt. But, hey, it's Florida Gators football for 2023, baby. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free. Wherever this in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk more Florida Gators football for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I'll see you all tomorrow.